to uh, today has been a very special day. I am at that age when I don't remember very well. But I don't remember a day like today before the Sunday before Christmas ever at Dorisville. This is my 16th Christmas with you. And this has been an incredible day. I almost feel like God has just given us this gift uh, of a wonderful time of celebration. This was so perfect. And I'd leaned over and told Judy this, this rendition of Do You Know What I Know? Uh, it's just peaceful and good. And again, with Jenny and Dave and Emma, the choir, it was just all, it was just incredible. God is good, amen? amen. I guess I was trying to say God is good. And the icing on the cake is, is this incredible generosity of, of Dorisville to missions. Uh, wow, wow. But Dave said it right. You just, hit, there's no way we could pay it back. It, it could, our, what God... What we do for God can never be a payback because it's, it's a debt that we can never pay. Um, it's, it's just not payable. Um, but, but again, it's a way that we can show our incredible love. And I think that's what's happened today in various gifts and ways and talents and contributions. It's all just been an incredible way to say, hey, God, we love you and we're grateful. And that leads right into tonight what we want to share is... Um, starting out, if you want to get your Bibles ready, we're going to we're looking at about four scriptures tonight with, with the key thought cast from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 is where we're going to start. Um, hey, John, you might want to give me a little bit of pulpit light. Not only do I not remember things, I can't see. So this is a, oh, that's great. Thanks. That's perfect. Um, this verse is just incredible. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Uh, let me introduce this verse by, by talking about food, of course. Um, back in 1920, this, these guys got together and, and decided they wanted to make candy. The only problem was they didn't know how to make candy, so they brought another man into the group, at least who knew how to make candy. And um, they took the name of the original uh, guy, and his name was Peter Paul. And um, they developed a candy bar... That was called the Mounds Bar, okay? And then they developed also one called the, the Almond Bar, you know, the Almond Joy Bar. And so back when they started this bar, um, it was a pretty good deal. You, you got the one piece, and I'm not sure how big the piece was, but it cost a nickel, okay? And, and so their slogan was, what a candy bar for five cents. Wasn't that original? I hope they didn't pay somebody a lot of money for that. You know, uh, you know, your candy bar costs five cents. What's your slogan going to be? What a candy bar for five cents. And so after World War II, they had to really cut back in World War II. And after World War II, the expenses for making the Mounds Bar and the Almond Joy uh, went up dramatically. And so they had to raise the price to a dime. And so they no longer could have a candy bar slogan that said... What a candy bar for a nickel if it cost a dime. And so they put it in two pieces, okay, raised the price to a dime, and had an ad campaign um, to come up with a new slogan for the Mounds Bar. And the dude's name that won it was Leon Something Long. And Leon came up with these words, it's indescribably delicious. And that was their slogan for like 40 years 
that was. And you still see it around. You still may see it on some of the packaging. It's indescribably delicious. And, and the idea and the thought was that this candy bar is so good, it's simply indescribable. And I love that because it really is about Jesus because when you think about the Savior of the world, when you think about the Jesus, when you think about God's gift, it's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, on dictionary.com defines this word indescribable as this. It is one, kind of like the five cent candy bar, okay, you know, what's, you know, what's your slogan, he described the, the definition on dictionary.com is not describable. In other words, no matter how much you grope for words, okay, you can't come up with the words to describe something. That would be something that's indescribable. It's kind of like, like Judy and how beautiful she is. No matter how hard I, I am kissing up. Okay, all right? So <laughs> in case you missed it, but no matter how I grope for the words, I just can't describe her beauty, okay? My Christmas present list just got ding, 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 ding. You know, and so, and the second definition is, are you, I love this, too extraordinary, too extraordinary for words. Isn't that how Jesus is? Isn't, isn't he really, if you fully understand what this great gift of God is, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift, isn't it just bigger? It's not describable. It's not describable. In fact, if I had any goal today, in fact, with this message, as we go over some scriptures, some familiar and some not quite as familiar, if I had a goal tonight, if I had a bottom line, it would be that we would end this day, this incredibly wonderful day, just understanding how incredible how incredible our Savior is. How incredible this great gift is. How incredible is this wonderful plan of redemption that started before Genesis, before there was a world, the plan was being played and would be played out for all eternity in that direction. That we would have this huge appreciation for what Jesus did. And I heard someone kind of, uh, it was a good groan, but it was a groan this morning, when I, when I said, you know, if we forget what we were and what God has done for us, it's doubtful that we could ever be used greatly of God. And I heard someone kind of groan in their spirit. And that's, but that's so true. If we, if we as a people of God, if we as a church, if we as Christ followers ever reach the point where we forget what we were and what we are all because of Christ and what one day we will be, if we forget that, then chances are we will not serve God. We can't be all that God wants us to be, and we'll doubtful we'll ever do anything great for God. I stand by this statement. And I think that's reason, some reason why so many dollars stay in churches today is because they have forgotten, we have forgotten sometimes. Now, I'm going to say they. They have forgotten what God has done, that incredible gift. I think that's why, why so much of the world is still in darkness, why so many people are lost, because we meet in churches, you know, people gather in churches for their benefit and for what they get out of it and not to glorify this incredible God who gave us this awesome gift and to prepare to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his incredible, incredible gift. In 2 Corinthians, and this is the second verse, this is one that we, we know but we don't know maybe. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Listen to this. This is one you might want to um, circle in your Bible. 
Paul writes and says this to the Corinthian church, who I keep reminding us, you know, if you want to model yourself as a church member, I wouldn't use the Corinthian church because they were really carnal, okay? They were not known for their, for their spirituality. They were known for their carnality, okay? And here's what Paul said to them. Um, three, three words. For you know. For you know. And, and so often in that verse of know, it's by experience, you know? Um, I, I might say, I know Hawaii is beautiful. Now, the only problem with that, I'm basing that on pictures and photographs and some of you who have been and you've gone to, oh, you need to go to Hawaii, it's beautiful. But I don't know it by experience. Well, so often when you see the word know, as Paul says here, for you know, it's by experience. You have experienced whatever it is he's fixing to say, you have experienced it, Paul is saying. And, and what is he going to say? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know by experience. If you are here today and you are a Christ follower, if you are here today and you have been wooed and called by God and you've responded to that wooing and that calling of God and you are a Christ follower, you have experienced by actuality the grace of God. We must never forget that. We must Keep it constantly in our forefront that we, grace is not something that, that we talk about someone else having, it's something we have experienced. And of course, in case you forget, grace is simply God's unmerited favor. That's why we can't pay back. We can't pay back. It's something we had nothing to bring to the table. He's simply in love and kindness and mercy and grace embraces us as we turn from our sin and turn to his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul says to this carnal church, he says, now you know, now come on, you, you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's through that. You know how it is. You know how it is. That though he was rich, though he was rich, how rich was he? How rich was he? Indescribably indescribably. We must never forget that Christ existed in heaven before he existed on earth. That before he took on human flesh and was born of a virgin, he existed fully in, in heaven as part of the Godhead. And so all the wonder and the glory and the splendor of all creation was his. You know, the Bible says clearly that, that Jesus Christ is the creator, that, that he spoke and it was, and, and everything that was created was created by him. In other words, if he didn't speak it, it wasn't created. He was incredibly, indescribably rich. Do you have that picture? Now, imagine this. And dare I say that this is kind of like our brother? You know, Matt could have stayed here in Harrisburg and had a very lucrative life. Incredibly lucrative as a lawyer. But like Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. You know, Matt left a lucrative career here to be obedient to his God there. And for your sake, for your sake, Paul says, he became poor. And so, 
you would probably, following the wordplay, you probably by now would say something like this. You would say, how poor? Indescribably poor. But Isaiah helps us. Isaiah helps us understand how poor Christ became. Listen, listen, for you. Now, just about right now, instead of being bored out of your brain, I'm really hoping that you're going, wait, 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 I need to hear this. Wait, wait, Dwayne is telling me, my pastor is telling me that God has given us this indescribable gift, that we've experienced this incredible grace, and that Christ was so incredibly rich, it's indescribable, and now my pastor is telling me the word of God says he's become indescribably poor for me. And we read these words. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, and of course this is a prophecy for Christ, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was homely. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and as one from when men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has bore our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced. Let that imagery soak in. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. Let that imagery soak in. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the wrath, the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, what we deserved on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. How poor, indescribably. How rich was he? Indescribably. How poor did he become? Indescribably and unexplainably. Besides his grace and mercy and love, he did it for us. And again, in case you really weren't that worthy, okay? You weren't. It's just his love. We keep, I keep looking at Scripture, I keep examining the Scripture, and I keep coming up to the fact that spiritually we're zero. We were a zero. And that's backed up by the scriptures we're going to look at tonight. How incredible is this great story of rescue and redemption that started before the foundations of the world, culminated and climaxed on that Christmas day, and culminated and climaxed on a hillside in Jerusalem when he died for our sins. How incredible. Now these are the scriptures you certainly know by heart. For the wages of sin is death. Paul writes in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The wages for sin is separation from God, eternal separation from God. How bad is that? Indescribably. 
But that's what we deserved because we were sinners. But the gift of God, the gift of God, there's that word. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And make no mistake, these are gifts you can't buy. I love to watch the TV, and they'll make a commercial, and they'll say, we want to give this to you, and all you have to do is this. And then you've got to pay this, or you've got to give that, or do that. Make no mistake, God is not that kind of advertiser. He offers us a gift, and there's really no strings attached. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. That any person who's willing to receive this gift by turning from their sin and believing in Him and following Him, those aren't strings, those are just simply the conditions of the gift. Then any man, man, black woman, black man, white man, brown man, yellow man, man, woman, child, rich or poor, long sinless, short sinless, can be forgiven. The wages of sinless death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For you were saved, how? By grace. By grace. Through faith. It's not yourselves. It is what? God's gift. King James, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. He goes on to love us and says, For we are his masterpiece. We are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time, so that we may walk in them, or should walk in them. How great is this? Don't forget, don't forget, don't lose it that God has given you the greatest gift. And it was His Son. It was His grace. It was His mercy. It was His unconditional love. And live to be a thousand years old and nothing you encounter will be that. Amen? That's why we got reason to celebrate. That's why, listen, David, every time we show up on Sunday... Every Sunday should be a huge celebration. It doesn't have to be Christmas. It doesn't have to be Easter. It doesn't have to be the Lord's Supper. I mean, we should just explode. We should explode in worship because of what Christ has done. We've got reason to get up our beds every day and explode in worship and praise for this incredible gift, this indescribable gift that God has given us. We have no cause to be spiritually melancholy. And every cause to be exploding in praise and worship. Paul then says in Romans chapter 5. Since, he says, by one man's trespass, and that's Adam's sin, in the garden, we are, that's our great, 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 you know, mother and father, grandmother and grandfather. And, and because of their sin, because it's one man's trespass, death reigned. And boy, hadn't it? Just like God said, you disobey me, you're going to die. And, and man started dying physically that day, and man died spiritually that day. If you want an encouraging Bible reading, if you just want to be lifted up, read Genesis chapter 5. So and so was born, and he lived so many years, and he had so many kids, and he died. So and so was born, and he had so many kids, and he lived so long, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Over and over again, it's like a huge obituary. And he died, and he died, and he died. Because of Adam's sin. And he says this. Through, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive, I love these words, the overflow of grace. 
and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. How much more? We all were condemned by Adam's sin. We were born with a sin nature. We're sinners by choice. But how much more as we receive the overflow of God's amazing grace and this gift of righteousness? I love, I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. You know, you know he, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin, indescribably perfect, became sin that we could become righteousness. Uh, a declared right standing with God. Again, nothing we've done. It's like Jesus walked up and said, Trade you. I'll take your sin. You get my righteousness. Paul's words in the Holman Christian Standard are so good. The gift of righteousness. We shall reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Is that cause to celebrate? I tell you what, it's amazing what Christ did for us. So let me read one more scripture to you. It's 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Paul is speaking to his protege, uh, the one he mentored, Timothy. And here's what he says. Therefore, I remind you, I love this, listen, listen, listen. I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God. He's basically saying this. Hey, hey, Timothy, fan the flames. Timothy, Timothy, fan the flames. Timothy, don't stop fanning the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Of course, Timothy was a young pastor. He's talking about passing on that. But I love the words. Let me remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God. Today I've spoken to you from my heart about the need for us to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we will not become complacent. That will not become comfortable. That will not become okay where we are. But we'll fan the flame of the gift of God. That every day we'll remember the gift. Every day we'll celebrate God's grace. Every Sunday will be Christmas Sunday. And we just can't thank God enough for this indescribable gift. His leaving his indescribable wealth to become indescribably poor that we could have eternal life. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So tonight, what we're about to do then is something that Christ gave us. He, he, it's almost like he said, you know, I know people and they're going to need some way to fan the flame. They're going to need some way to help fan the flame, to keep it ablaze. I know what we'll do. We'll give them something that will remind them of what I've done for them. In that upper room, with the 11 there, he took that bread and he passed a loaf around and said, take a piece of this. And he said, now listen, you don't understand this now, but you will. He goes, you know, this is my body. And you celebrate this Passover thing for years, decades, millennia. But tonight, 
it all changes. Tonight, this represents my body that's going to be broken for you in just about 20 hours, 15 hours. So take off a piece. And when you eat it, remember that I, my body was broken for you. That part of the indescribable gift was that I took your place on the cross. I want you to remember that. And then he took a chalice, uh, you know, one cup, and he passed that around and told the guys to drink out of it. It's the same thing. He said, now listen, when you've done this Passover thing, it meant one thing, but listen, and look forward to this night. Tonight it all changes because tonight this represents my blood. This is symbolic of my blood. In about 15 hours, I'm going to bleed and die because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I'm going to become the sacrificial lamb of God. What John talked about that was forecast before the foundation of the world is going to take place. And, and when you do this, when you do this, he said, when you eat that bread, you know, as often as you do it, now, every Sunday, every day, four times a year, seven times a year, whenever you do it, whenever you do it, remember me. So when you go and get your elements tonight, and then we can come together as a church family to take that bread, when you put it in your mouth, remember he took your place. Your body deserved to be broken like his was, but he did it for you. And when that juice touches your tongue, remember it symbolizes the Lamb of God being slaughtered for our sin. His blood shed for our redemption. So if the team wants to come on up, Dave, and if you all want to go ahead and just bow your head, um, what's going to happen? I'm going to say a word of prayer and it'll be a blessing on the elements tonight. And then as you, as you feel fit, you know, when you're ready, just simply bring your card up, lay it somewhere on the altar, and we have two tables going, one to the left and one to the right. And just go over there and, and our deacons will be there to assist you and give you your elements, your, your juice and your bread. And then go back to your seat and just reflect and contemplate this indescribable gift. And then at, when everyone's been served, then we'll take the time to observe the Lord's Supper together. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you tonight for the privilege of being the one to break this word tonight. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for leaving all the wealth of heaven, all the riches of heaven, and becoming so poor. So poor. Becoming sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you. And tonight we honor you. We honor you with this Lord's Supper. Remind us as we place the bread in our mouth that you took our place. You loved us. You loved us and you do love us. And when that juice touches our tongue, remind us of the blood sacrifice. The blood that was necessary 
to atone for our sin. To appease the wrath of God. Oh God, I need to pause right now and pray for the ones who one day, because of their rejection of Jesus Christ, will face that wrath. That's why we can be tellers, God. The story's too good to keep in the house. Help us to get it out. Help us to get it out. So bless this special time together. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. So when you're ready, you don't need to stand right now. You can stand when you're ready. If you'll, our deacons will come on forward. And um, when you're ready, you come. And then we'll observe the Lord's table when you're ready.